TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. It's the big dog and a coach back at you on a beautiful Tuesday here. We're back at you. We're like a bad dream that pops up uh, every, each and every hour at 10 o'clock in the morning. Of course, Central Time. Here we talk sports and more on uh, this fine show. March Madness is a big part of the discussion. But today we'll take a little break from the basketball action, too, and check in with the little baseball spring training, maybe even, God forbid, the NBA, which we haven't talked about in a couple of weeks. Big Dog, I don't know about you, but uh, I am, despite all the great March Madness and basketball fever the last four days, baseball is starting to creep into my uh, chromosome and in my uh, springtime DNA. How about you? Uh, coach, And it is to me, and I absolutely need it as soon as possible. I've been really, really testy lately, like legitimately. I've been, like, I've been getting in arguments with my boys. I was out last night. I'm yelling and screaming at somebody else. Coach, if baseball doesn't get here soon, and, and these three days a week where we don't have basketball, I, I want to end up hurting somebody. It, it, it might be myself. <laughs> and, and don't get the wrong impression now. It's not like we're trying to push March Madness over. We're thoroughly enjoying it. Love what college basketball has to offer. But uh, the baseball season, the weather warming up, you're starting to read about your local teams and some of the opposing teams. It does get the... Uh, Fever going a little bit. I don't know about your Chicago Cubs this year, big dog. I don't know how excited you are about them, but we are excited that baseball is not too far in the horizon. You know what, Coach? You know what I'm excited about is, is they got guys like uh, Marlon Bird. Yep. They got guys like Marlon Bird who, I mean, that are doing the little things right, and I'm really enjoying this particular Cup team as opposed to other ones who seem to be a bunch of like whiny crybabies who mm-hmm. can hit home runs, but they couldn't do the little things. So I'm going to need uh, some I'm help. Uh, about this I am going to need some advice from you. This could be my final year of uh, coaching baseball. My son is in eighth grade Pony League. Next year we move on to high school. So probably my final career year, donning the uh, managerial uniform, if you will, coach in baseball, big dog. And this year's team, let's just say uh, among our strengths is not team speed. We picked a lot of big boppers, a lot of the big boys. I got some eighth-grade kids with great beer bellies. I don't. Hopefully it's not beer, but uh, we got some big guys. So strategy-wise, early in the season, what should we, we be working on? We're not going to be a station-to-station team. Well, it doesn't mean that you can't improve them a little bit in their foot quickness, because quite honestly, if they have soda bellies, because we're assuming it's soda and not beer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more accurate. Uh, I would have to say you might want to run those little fat kids not for your team's speed, <laughs> just for their benefit. Seriously, you don't want no 13-year-old having a heart attack on your field, Coach. Mm-hmm. So I would say you need to get to whip these guys into shape and forget about team speed. Think about the overall health of a 13-year-old who's overweight. Wow. Wow, that's some solid philosophy. I threw out kind of a little uh, humorous footnote, and the big dog coming back at me with some great philosophy. You are correct, of course, absolutely correct. Co- Coach, I just want to let you know I fight fat no matter where it is in the world, okay? <laughs> <laughs> public service agent for the uh, health across America, huh? Unless it's on like, my girlfriend's booty. What? Fat, not enough, fat enough is the only way. That's, that's the only time I'm not going to fight it. 
All right, take it easy. Take it okay, easy, big dog. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. By the way, that's our phone number here if you want to check in. If you're coaching a team with too many overweight kids and you want to uh, uh, check in with some possible advice, I'd appreciate that. Triple eight four six three six seven four. Of course, on the other end of it, big dog, is we've got my son, who is the anorexic left-handed pitcher. So somewhere hey, he's probably your leadoff hitter, isn't he? <sighs> Speed is not his strength, but on this team, he might be. <laughs> he now, might be. I, I know you, Coach, and you're a little bit odd. Your son throws left-handed, but knowing you, you probably taught him about right-handed, so he has no advantages at all in sports except for the fact that he's a pitcher. Yeah, he does bat righty. I didn't teach him that. That's just uh, He was a switch hitter, but it seems like he he probably bats righty like 78% of the time. On occasion, he'll go left-handed, too. I don't tell him what to do. He, he kind of switches back and forth. But more right-handed uh, batter, left-handed thrower. It was. Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, as long as the kid's having a good time, having fun, that's the most important thing. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, are you like the dictator type coach? Oh, absolutely. Are you yelling no. and screaming no. at him? No, 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 no. I'm the quite the opposite, the positive reinforcement guy. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I'm not one of those crazy coaches. Absolutely not. Now, um, let's talk about a couple of coaches in our Chicago area here. Uh, one, uh, Ozzie Guillen and one, uh, Lou Pinella. Both teams a couple of weeks away from opening day. Big dog, uh, some thoughts you've seen from over the weekend. And again, I know we're heavy into basketball. Don't worry, folks. We'll get into some March Madness preview, but, uh, just trying to catch a little bit of the spring baseball fever here. The Cubs, uh, big dog, their starting pitching staff average at best. Average at best. Yeah, and, and not only is it average at best, it's a thorough question mark. Yes. I mean, who's going to be in it? Okay, Carlos Zambrano and Ryan Dempster will be in the, and Randy Wells will be in the starting rotation in the, mm-hmm. the first three months. And with those three, you really don't know what you're going to get because Zambrano and Dempster are thoroughly inconsistent. Dempster will throw a complete game shutout one game and the next game, two innings and seven walks. And I'm not ripping Randy Wells whatsoever. I hope he's just as great mm-hmm. as he was last year. But let's face it, it's, he's got his second year into the league. The whole league has a scouting report against him. So as a let's, Cubs fan, um, the pitching stuff is, oh, I'm worried badly. Uh, can we safely say let's hope Randy Wells' second year goes a little bit better than uh, his catcher, Giovanni Soto's second year went last year? Exactly. That's Oof. what I'm saying. As much as all of us love Randy Wells, because what a story the guy is, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we can expect, you know, 13 and 8 this year, you know, with an ERA under 3.5. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, hopefully, and if, if he does do that, man, he's going to make a lot of money. So. One, of the, one of the cool things about uh, baseball and all sports, but you see guys like Randy Wells, and for those uh, listeners outside the Chicago area, Randy Wells is a kid that basically nobody here in Chicago heard of. Before the season started, he was one of those guys trying out for one of, you know, maybe a couple of spots open, eight pitchers going for it. He won the battle, but really nobody knew his name, and we had a couple of injuries. All of a sudden, he starts a game, does pretty well, starts another game, does it pretty well. Long story short, he wins, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 games. It was arguably our most consistent pitcher. He came out of nowhere, and Big Dog, it's kind of fun because you know there will be guys like this uh, this year, not just with the Cub or the Sox, but with any of our teams out there, and it's... um. It's kind of fun to see which guys emerge. We can make all the predictions in the world we want, but there's a lot of guys out there we've never heard of who are going to come to the forefront and uh, make an impact in the major leagues. Oh, you're absolutely right, Coach. Everybody that we think is going to be good on April 1st, well, about 20% of those guys are gone, and there's a new 20% that you never heard of around the game of baseball and by May 1st. And that, that is the great thing about the game of baseball.
Mm-hmm. Any, uh, I know you've been uh, analyzing and observing on behalf of the show some of the other spring training camps. Is there any team out there outside of Chicago that you're getting? It's too early to make predictions, but you're starting to get a feeling. Watch out for this particular ball club. Any team, American League, National League, you're getting that inkling, or is it too early? I, I loved what the Mariners were doing with their team until they added uh, Parker Brothers. But other than that, I mean, seriously, I do think that of any of teams that have improved themselves in the offseason, I really think uh, the Seattle Mariners are one of them, Coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say the Texas Rangers because all of a sudden they got Elvis Andrews, they got uh, Barbone, they got all this young talent, Coach. Mm-hmm. But the simple matter of fact is they're going to be awesome. And then by the middle of August, their pitching staff won't have anything left <laughs> going in 100-degree heat every single day, and they're yeah. going to suck. So I, I will say that the Texas Rangers will be the best team in baseball for the first three months of the season, and mm-hmm. they'll be one of the worst for the last three months. That's, yeah, that, that's one prediction I got there. That Texas heat, it'll come and get you last couple months mm-hmm. of the year. That's the best way you can describe it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so I'm gonna, my, my surprise team is going to be the Mariners, Coach. I think they've done. They've added a lot of speed, they've mm-hmm. added a lot of defense, and they've added some pitching, and that all adds up to win. Mm-hmm. And they still have a right fielder by the name of Ichiro, do they not? Ichiro! Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, outstanding. All right, there's a couple teams to look for. Very nicely done. You did your homework. Seattle and the Texas Rangers. We're going to talk a lot of basketball today, but uh, we're catching a little bit of spring fever and catching a little baseball fever here early in the morning. And the two guys in a mic show, you want to talk some uh, baseball with us, be it the high school, college, pro, or youth league variety, you can do so. 888-463-6748. If you're listening from another city, give us an idea on how your team's uh, spring training is going describe real quick big dog i don't know how national this story is but to our listeners outside the chicago area weird things happening with the white Sox and nothing to do with the on the field play i don't know if you want to get into this story but it is curious if nothing else uh, coach can, can you explain it to me because i have to admit uh, i don't i can't read anything that is above pg-13 okay i'm talking about Tweetergate. oh the whole thing that Ozzy's talking about yeah I, I can't read your mind, Coach. I'm not looking at you. Okay. I, I, I Just the whole thing with Ozzie Guillen and his sons. Well, first of all, Ozzie started his own twit or uh, tweeter or Twitter. Yeah, right? he, he tweets off of Twitter. And the no, general yeah. manager, but the general manager nicks that. And then he went in to start his own website, and the general manager nicks that. That caused a little bit of controversy. And then one of his sons started to tweet, correct? Ozzie Jr.? Or Oni. And I can't remember all. I think it's Oni. Okay. There's Ozzy, there's Oni, there's Ollie, there's Oliver, and then his wife, I think, is Margaret. I don't know how she got in the picture. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, o- Oni started the tweet next, so he started to fire a little bit, and uh, and he was firing on the White Sox, so the White Sox general manager basically, well, he didn't fire him. I think Oni decided to resign on his own. It's getting a lot of media play here in the Chicago. It's probably not worth talking about all that much. You would like to concentrate on what's going on in the field. But that's Absolutely. been the big story here with the White Sox. The biggest story has been the uh, tweeting and the uh, the Facebook pages and the the websites of one Ozzy game. There's, there's been a lot of like uh, like stories that were blown out of proportion off the field over the White Sox over the last couple of years. Remember the blow up doll in Toronto? <laughs> a couple of guys brought a blow up doll in a locker room. Uh-huh. It, it's a men's locker room, and all of a sudden. The White Sox players were getting criticized for being chauvinist and sexist yep. because there was a, a woman reporter in there. Yeah, female writer yeah, Carol like, Slazak from the Chicago Sun-Times. Friend of the program, by the way, so be nice to Carol. Okay, I just, but sometimes people need to, yes. to get upset about the right stuff. Well, I don't know. 
It, it was a bit overblown, pardon the pun, for the blow-up doll, but um, <laughs> the story was a bit overblown. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that wasn't the best move by whatever practical joker did that. Maybe not the best move, especially when you do have female reporters in the locker room. But uh, what if there was a, a homosexual man in the locker room? Wouldn't he be offended too, Coach? No, he wouldn't. Oh, because he's a man, so he, he wouldn't care that, right? Yeah, that would have. I have no idea what you were even going with that. Now, if they, but, but, but why do we always have to pair? Why do we always have to cater to what women want and, and what they? I mean, seriously. Well, it, you don't have to cater to the, room, what coach. they. It's not talking about catering to what they want, but hanging up a female blow-up doll and everybody taking shots at the thing with the bat is just. You know, it's not the most horrible thing in the world. It's also not the best thing for a major league team to be doing. Yeah, okay, yeah, I don't want to get into all. We we definitely remember. Remember about a year ago, we battled mm-hmm. over that. I just it just seems weird. It's like a lot of stuff that doesn't matter gets brought up about the White Sox. And does that mean they can concentrate on baseball more because they're not talking baseball? They're talking about blow up dolls and tweets yeah. and, well, that and might, other stuff. Might be part of the strategy. Now you are well aware. Uh, I know you read the political page and the business page first, but you are aware the. White Sox, speaking of distractions, there's a, is it HBO? One of the TV, they're doing a series following, following Jerry Reinsdorf around Ozzie Guillen and general manager Kenny Williams. What, what's that? I, I think that's the MLB network. Okay, there you I, go. I'll look into that. But I think I'm, you're I'm, correct. I'm pretty sure it's MLB. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, I gotta check that out then. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I have not watched a lot of MLB. I haven't watched any television really, but I definitely want to watch that because Everything the MLB has produced has been really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I w- wouldn't mind seeing like how the White Sox are actually going about their yeah. spring training and, and roster decisions and mm-hmm. what they do. That should be really interesting. That's exactly what it's going to be about. Uh, and, again, following uh, – in the, they had to pick one team, and, of course, that team had to agree to it, and it was the White Sox. Uh, and I think they've, they basically have a camera following Jerry Reinsdorf around, Kenny Williams, and Ozzie Guillen. By the way, the man who uh, spoke was the voice of reason here on our – Two guys at a mic show, and believe me, it's not hard to be the voice of reason on our show. David Olson, our fine producer, but I think he's exactly correct. That's the MLB Network. So lots of distractions going on with our beloved White Sox, but we talked about the Cubs starting pitching being shaky. The, uh, the White Sox might have the best starting pitching in all of baseball, Big Dumb. I, I would have to say yes. Really, I mean, if you think about it, only the Yankees can, can compare right now. Mm-hmm. And if, if Jake Peavy is healthy, and if he's Jake Peavy of... Uh, Oh, six. Mm-hmm. They have the best pitching staff in the game because Floyd and Danks are good. Okay. Mark Burley is extremely good. And Mark Burley, if he has a bad year this year, he's going to go 15 and 12 and his ERA will be like 3.8 and he'll have 20 quality starts. Mm-hmm. And that, that would be a bad year for Mark Burley. So, I mean, the, the PB can be a legitimate number one, a dominant ace. They'll mm-hmm. have the whole package coach depth and a number one starter. Kind of like what the Yankees have. The Yankees have a, a nice pitching staff. They have a number one in Sebastian, and they have a bunch of good pitchers after him. So right. it's either them or the Yankees, and it all depends on how good Jake TV is. All right, a little baseball break here in the uh, break in the basketball action of the March Madness. Talking some Cubs and Sox here in the city of Chicago. Again, you want to mention your particular team, whatever city you might be listening. Of course, as you know, Big Dog, our show being piped into seven different continents via the wonders of the way, uh, the internet, of course. Seven different continents and also parts of uh, southern Illinois as well, which many people in these states call the eighth continent. But, well, a, a lot of people in southern Illinois do not have electricity yet. So the internet really isn't pumping in there yet, Coach. <laughs> 888-463-6748. It's uh, two guys, Mike, 
at AOL.com if you want to check. I'm sorry, Mike, two guys. M-I-C and the number two. Mike, two guys at AOL.com. That is our email address. You want to send us any emails? We always appreciate that. Big Dog and a coach at your service. Dog, another thing the Cubs are doing, it's kind of interesting with Mike Fontenot, supposedly their starting second baseman. Mm-hmm. They're playing him at shortstop a lot during spring training. I can't figure that move out. They've got Therio there, and they've got a all-star sh- uh, shortstop of the future. One of the better young players in Starling Castro, so... Why are they moving their starting second baseman over to shortstop? I, I don't get it. I, if I was thinking that anything was going to happen, I guess they just, because Andres Blanco is not going to make the team, is, I guess is the first reason. And I guess the other reason is they don't want to bring up Sterling Castro, especially until at least about April 15th, so they don't lose that extra year of salary arbitration, which means they have to pay him an extra $5 million a season if he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. So I guess they, they need a, a backup shortstop. So they, they're making sure that Fondo can field over there. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, when they decide to go with Sterling Castro and cross your fingers and that 50-50 chance that he actually is going to be a guy that can hit like 285 and, and play great defense for you, mm-hmm. guess what? Terry will better learn how to play second base at that point. So, you know, next spring, this is, hopefully as a Cubs fan, we're talking about the mm-hmm. fact that Fano and Terrio are platooning at second, and they've got the shortstop of the future over there. Yeah, so. that, that that part, I understand. That part would be understandable if they were giving mm-hmm. Terrio okay. a few starts over at second base. They're making the team coach, and you have to have a backup shortstop. So okay. that's, that's, the, that's my only reasoning that could possibly be going on right now uh, mm-hmm. with the people over there at 1060 West Addison who happen to be at Ho-Ho Camp Park. By the I way. had thoughts. I had a, a very sleepless last late last night wondering maybe. Maybe the Cubs have a imminent deal ongoing that Ryan Thurio, their shortstop, is going to be involved, and they can't make it official yet. But in case that deal goes through, they got to get Fontenot ready to be their starting shortstop. And as you know, me and Ryan Thurio have a, a strange male attraction going. So I was worried that that news could be true, but you're here to tell me it's not that. They're just giving Fontenot some backup time. Well, it possibly could be. You know, that's another way. To, that, that could be a coach. Uh, if, but if there isn't a deal going on, you, have, you can't go – into a major league game without having somebody that can play the number six position mm-hmm. uh, in case uh, Terrio goes down. So, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, uh, that's what I'm assuming is going on. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. The voice of reason, Joe Rodwanski, our spring training expert here traveling around. Are we sending you uh, around to all the spring training sites? Are you making the Florida-Arizona trip this year, or are you going to be checking in via the Internet from your spatial abode in Aurora? I haven't seen the particular schedule. Well, I've only made one stop so far. It was to the Kissimmee Astros, Coach. <laughs> and how do they look? Oh, I'm sorry. It's pronounced Kissimmee. <laughs> and how do they look? Oh, they look fantastic, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. We got a new they minor- do have an advantage. You know, we're going to have a new minor league team here in the Chicago area, the, or, uh, the Lake County Fielders. I don't know if you call that the Chicago area. I think it's close enough. But, you know, a little northern suburb, brand new minor league team, the Lake County Fielders. You and me are amongst the contenders, by the way, to throw out the first ball for the Lake County Fielders. Uh, the first one ever? I threw our name in the hat. I contacted him. I said we'd be happy to come. Well, yeah, I'd be more than happy to go, Coach, as okay. long as they pay for uh, my food and beer that particular evening. I'm sure they would be more than willing to do that. So you would not charge an appearance fee? No, well, that kind of is charging an appearance fee if, I'm gonna let, <laughs> if they're going to let me drink for free. <laughs> In your in your uh, esteemed career, have you ever charged an uh, appearance fee for any of your quote-unquote appearances? Oh, of course I have, Coach. Uh, I emceed a, a wedding uh-huh. about, a, about a month ago. Okay. 
that was good. That paid pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. And other than that, no. But I do. I usually have the beer fee though. If I'm going to show up at your house, I got to drink for free. It's the least they can give you. Yeah, boy, why not? For the life of the party, that's the. Remember, for a while, real quick, we're going to head to a break. Talk some college basketball. We come back, get a little baseball spring fever off of our chest right now. But for a while, big dog, we were trying to get the two guys in a mic concept and market ourselves to weddings, to corporate events, and uh, you know, to have us like MC various events. Similar to this radio show, it didn't go particularly well, but that was one of our objectives when we started this operation. It's still a phenomenal idea. It's not like it's crashed and burned just yet, Coach. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking we need to to get it started. Maybe uh, our producer, David Olson, the next family gathering he has, you know, maybe Grandpa's birthday, the whole family's over, maybe two guys and a mic can can come and uh, emcee the entire event that could kickstart us. And all we'll need from David is a little information about the – about you, you know your particular relatives. Uh-huh. You know, like make fun of uh, the uncle because he's going to drink too much. Make uh-huh. fun of that aunt that is married to the uncle because she's going to flirt too much. Everything, yeah. you know, we'll know all yeah. the in- inside info. Don't make fun of grandpa though. Grandpa no, Olson, from what I hear, very, very sensitive, and uh, he is packed and loaded and ready to go and not afraid to fire. Him. Sir, one more outburst, I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? There you go. That's an example of what you might get. All right, dog, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a little March Madness talk. I'm going to have you make some predictions, a little sneak preview of the games to come. You ready? I am ready, Coach. All right, get some rest. We'll be back in about 42 seconds. Two guys and a mic. TalkZone.com. It's the big dog and the coach. Back in a minute. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joe radwanski on talkzone.com and indeed we are back with you like the way that announcer says and the big dog i'm not sure big dog but i think he likes you you know what? I, he obviously likes me because he, he treats me like a typical girl and they call me he calls me joe instead of joel so, yeah. But my man David Olson is taking care of all that for me. So Because mm-hmm. I, I was a prima donna with Dave one day, Coach, and I, I called up, like, yelling and screaming, how could this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the talent, I'm the star, and all that stuff. And, and he was able to settle yeah. me down. He said, don't worry, we're on top of it. It'll get there. So yeah. thank you, you, David Olson. You get off the straight line, uh, David Olson will uh, put you back right on it. There's no question about that. 
You see, because he's a little intimidating. Like, our old producer, Swamp Rat, <laughs> what was he going to do, breathe at us? You know what I mean? He, it, uh-huh. There really wasn't much that he could have done. David Olsen will put you in the stranglehold and, and take, tear you apart. So. Swamp I'm pretty Red. good with the bow staff. <laughs> <laughs> the Swamp Rat, Kevin Oran, was user-friendly, no doubt about it, but not an imposing force. No question about that. Our old radio show called The Morning Break back in the uh, Chicago area. All right, Big Dog, uh, let's talk a little March Madness. And first of all... It is Residue Tuesday, so any of our listeners who could not listen to yesterday's award-winning show, first of all, uh, we remind our listeners that via our website at twoguysmike.com, all of our shows are archived. So you can catch a yesterday's show where we went down almost game by game with a little analysis and uh, any of the previous shows, too. They're archived, very easy to get to. You can also get those at the talkzone.com website but uh, if you didn't join us yesterday and you got thoughts from the games over the weekend feel free to give us a call we'll break it down again 888-463-6748 but uh, today let's take a little sneak preview ahead big dog at some of the games coming up i don't not going to ask you yet for a full prediction because it's still three days away but let's just uh, get a little look at some of the matchups and first of all in the uh, midwest region you've Uh got Northern Iowa taking on Michigan State. Pretty interesting matchup there. Your thoughts on that one? Now, this is a game, you know, you can say, oh, it's only one player in Michigan State so deep that they won't have a problem replacing them. But they're talking about their ball handler, their quarterback, the distributor. Last year, not this year because Evan Turner won it, but last year's Big Ten player of the year, Kalen Lucas, is really, really good. Michigan State, the rest of these players are going to have to really step up and get it done. Like uh, Corey Lucius, who's obviously he's replacing Kalen Lucas, did a pretty good job of it against Maryland, hitting the game-winning shot. So hopefully he can uh, like use that momentum, use that confidence, and and get it done for the Big Ten. But I got to tell you something: they're not playing Cinderella. Mm-hmm. They're playing a really good Northern Iowa team uh, led by Ben Jacobson, their coach. And you were you were right, coach. The Israeli kid Ali Farukmanesh. Oh my yep. goodness! He so can shoot. He, what do you mean? I was right. I never heard of Ali. I, I call him Barishnikov, but I think it's uh, you, you Farrak- talked about him before the tournament ever started, Coach. Who me? You're the one who told me about him. No, no, no. Never heard of the guy before the tournament started. Oh, so that's why you couldn't pronounce his name I'm, right? He's the he's the best basketball player with short alligator arms that I've ever seen. I mean, usually the short guys they look like that. He didn't even look like an athlete, but he no, can he shoot. Not, coach. And he also made a highlight film wraparound pass to it. Two on one fast break that they're showing over and over again too, so he can dish the ball a little bit too. Ali Bursnikov. He for... will uh, be an excellent accountant one day, coach. <laughs> now here, a little psychological aspect. See if you're with me here. I think for Northern Iowa, the injuries are actually going to work against them. They're used to being the underdog team. They've knocked off a couple of good teams. Obviously, uh, the powerhouse Kansas drop, but all of a sudden they're going to play a Michigan State team. That is minus their star. You alluded to it. Kalen Lucas, their star, one of the top guards in the country. He is out, folks. Torn Achilles heel. He is out not just for the tournament, four to six months. So those Michigan State fans that were holding out hope, forget about it. He's done. Yeah, and it's too bad. And I mean, what a good career he's had yep. at Michigan State. CAS you know, senior. Four, a Big Ten player of the year, a couple of Big Ten championships. Is he a senior, and Big Ten? Go out your senior year. He is a senior. Yeah, he is. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, hopefully he can get healthy again, and, and he and if he wants to play basketball professionally, mm-hmm. he can you know be able. To, Achilles injuries are horrible, but yes. people can get back from them. Unlike you know back twenty years ago, you had Achilles injury, your career was done. And but now it's 
you know, guys come back from Achilles injuries, so hopefully he can. Their two guard, Chris Allen's got a foot injury. He's battling. I think Raymond Morgan is battling some kind of injury, and there's a fourth player too. So all of a sudden, the favored Michigan State team almost takes on the wounded underdog role. My question to you, Joel, I'm a big psychology guy. Maybe I'm overrating the psychology, but in a weird way, is this going to work against Northern Iowa, who's used to playing a certain role? Yeah, it could. So you got to factor in is the is it togetherness? Is it uh, do whatever it takes? Because Kalen Lucas out mentality going to be more for Michigan State than actually having Kalen Lucas in the lineup. And you know, I guess we're going to find out. But uh, mm-hmm. you know what? Though Northern Iowa still has Northern Iowa written on their jersey, and Michigan State still has Michigan State written on their jersey. So and, I, I don't think it's still. Trust me, it still would be an upset if. If Northern Iowa won't coach. By the way, one of the cool things about Northern Iowa, their star player, the player of the year in the uh, was the Horizon Conference. That where they play? No, no. Northern Mid- Iowa plays in the Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley Conference. Their player of the year in the MVC is Adam Cook from the University of Northern Iowa. He's had a okay tournament, not great. Actually, scoring less than he has. It's been the other guys that have stepped up. Ali Barishnikov, uh, the point guard, Johnny Moran, the big six eleven, seven foot. Zidranus Ogowskis uh, clone. The, those are the guys that have stepped. So their star player has played average. It's the other guys that have stepped up. Kind of an interesting side note for your uh, Cinderella team. And their coach, Ben Jacobson, looks like he's about 25 years old. Well, I, he was at Northern Iowa like a year ago. Yeah. When did he graduate? He was their star player. It was a little more than a year ago. But you're right. It adds to the story. One of their ex-great players becomes their head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... I remember him back in the Unidome where they wouldn't even turn the lights on in that thing. They play in the dark in that place, and Ben Jacobs mm-hmm. would be drumming three point shots. So, oh yeah. So the guys like that, Ben Jacobson, coach, he's a Northern. I know we we're doing the, you know, picking the games. But Ben Jacobson is a Northern Iowa grad, and he's proven to be a great, great coach. Is he mm-hmm. going to leave Northern Iowa for like a? I'm not saying Indiana because Tom Crean's there forever, but you know, just but like an Indiana type school, would he do that? I hope you know, not. It's, it's, it's very similar to what people are saying about our very own Northwestern football coach, Pat Fitzgerald. Exactly. Coach. Northwestern exactly. program, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's proven to be very good. Oh, he's going to jump to a bigger program. But Pat Fitzgerald bleeds the Northwestern purple. It be disappointing to see a guy like that leave. I would think the same thing with a guy like Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa. If I had to guess, I'd say no, Big Doug. I think he's going to stay. That would, that would be cool if somebody would actually do that. You mm-hmm. know, stick with uh, their alma mater and stick with them thick and thin. Mm-hmm. All right, game two, Tennessee taking on Ohio State. By the way, these games are in St. Louis. Big Dog, on behalf of the two guys at a Mike Show and TalkZone.com, I will be in St. Louis this weekend covering the game for our show. So I will not be in studio Thursday or Friday. I'll try to call in, but uh, I will be there observing these particular games. I shouldn't say Thursday and Friday. Friday's games. But uh, it's Ohio State. Taking on Tennessee, your thoughts on this one uh, should be a pretty good game. It's going to be a good game because all year long, Ohio State has played to the level of their opponents and then somehow won the game at the end. They only had a couple blowouts. One was at Illinois, which I still am dumbfounded by. So I, I expect a real, real good game. And, and if you watch Tennessee games, it was the same thing. They were always in barn burners this year. So uh, these teams match up really well. And, you know, you're talking about players playing great and all that. You know, Evan Turner, you know, he had a big numbers game the last game, but had a bunch of turnovers. He hasn't played all that well either. And and Ohio State is 2-0 and in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So. I like both teams. Both teams got karma working for them. Tennessee, here's the way I look at Tennessee. They're not overly talented. They're pretty good, very athletic, a lot of scores, pretty balanced. But 
Here's the deal. I, I think more than any other team, see if you're with me here, Tennessee's got nothing to lose. Maybe Tennessee and Purdue. But I think even Purdue's got a little bit more pride. Tennessee can play with nothing to lose. You could say, oh, no, 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 it's Cornell, Northern Iowa, St. Mary. No, no, no. They've all been hearing the stuff like you've alluded to the last three, four, five days, and all of a sudden there's pressure on them. Tennessee's been in the limelight. They play in the Southeast Conference. They lost some players during the year. Nobody expected them to get this far. I think they might play the loosest of any team of the 16 left. Are you with well, me on that? Uh, you know what? Of the people, they're playing one of the best teams remaining. So that I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. And you know, you bring up something. You know, you, you talked about like the St. Marys and those teams. You know, when when they won round one, they they went back to a hotel. They and then they practiced the next day, and then right. went back to a hotel, mm-hmm. and then they went back on Saturday or Sunday, and they played their game. They had no distraction. Mm-hmm. They were focused on basketball. That's why the Sweet Sixteen is a little bit different, Coach, for Cinderella. Okay, because all of a sudden Cinderella goes back home, and everybody tells them, "You're great, you're phenomenal." Oh, I've had so much fun. They, they don't need that. If if those like the St. Mary's, the friends of those St. Mary's players and and the other Cinderella teams, yep. they got to be like, they got to, you guys ain't done, you know, and not mm-hmm. treat them like they're a bunch of superheroes until they're out of the tournament. Yep. And uh, you, I, I think, what you told me about that a couple years, ago, and I think you're right about that. That Sweet Sixteen is totally different because everybody's yeah. patting these guys on the back now for at least four days. All of a sudden, Ali Barishnikov is fighting off women, where before, you know, it probably wasn't all that great. No, heck no. It's all about distractions. Do I have the right deodorant on? He didn't understand what was wrong with him. Now all of a sudden he's a player. It's all about distractions, big dog. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta maintain your composure. You gotta keep your focus and not get distracted. I know that was a problem in your college years. Yeah, women weak in legs, coach. All right. Now the (laughs) the other side of it is uh, Ohio State. Here's here's why I like Ohio State. That's why I think both teams could win this game. It's never happened before, but I think Ohio State and Tennessee, both teams could win this game. Ohio State, if you want, did you watch the beginning of the, their game against Georgia Tech? Um, I did not, but I was I was at the Michigan State Bar Barley Corn, okay. and, and I did. Uh, I think I mentioned to you yesterday there was thirty. Well, there was twelve minutes and fifty seconds left in the first half yep. when Ohio State tallied their first bucket of the day. It mm-hmm. was ten to two with twelve fifty to go in the first half. That's seven minutes and ten seconds of no scoring for Ohio State. And they still came back and won it. And Ohio State plays basically five guys. Georgia Tech was the underdog. Great strategy by Georgia Tech. They went full court pressure. And I'm watching the game, and it was like, yep, all right, this is the game Ohio State folds. Great strategy by Georgia Tech, a red-hot Georgia Tech team. Not a good matchup for Ohio State. I thought for sure this was the game they were going to fold. They did not, big dog. They showed uh, a solid pair of chestnuts, if you will, and they held on, and they showed me something. Johnny Debor hitting shots, the inside guys rebounding, and, of course, the great star Evan Turner. To me, for them to come back from that deficit and beat a team of the style of Georgia Tech, I think that's the kind of victory that can spur you on to others. To me, some of the pressure's off Ohio State now. That's why I think both teams may win this game. Yeah, and to be honest with you, Tennessee is nowhere near as good as Georgia Tech. So, and then to play nowhere near as good a defense. And, and I will tell you this straight up, uh, I, I kind of ripped on Evan Turner for all the turnovers and stuff he had in the Georgia Tech game. Those guys, Georgia Tech, can flat out play defense. Uh, they can make a supermodel look ugly. Uh, it just Those guys, they do whatever it takes to, to get it done, Coach. And so, you know, you're going to have an ugly game every once in a while in the tournament. So mm-hmm. all I know is Ohio State, they survived in advance. They won't look ugly against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Their offense is going to look nice and fluid. 
the score, I mean, this game is 75-70. I mean, I don't think we're going to see one of those, you know, 60-54 games in this one. It's going to be more of an up-and-down, freewheeling, and you're going to be able to tell, oh, that guy's an NBA player, that guy's an NBA player. It's not going to be a, a bloodbath, uh, you know, mud wrestling competition, which Georgia Tech Ohio State was on Sunday. I have taken a new approach uh, in brackets. I am having both teams advance. That's how confident uh, coach, I am. That, that both teams advance. I got to tell you something. Usually your bracket ends up do, being pretty good at the end of it if you take two teams. It's a novel approach, Big Dog. Nothing else has worked for me in the past. I'm going to try something new this time. It's also cheating, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, things can happen. All right, quickly, let's move to the West region. Sneak previews. Now, we don't got to break it down that hard. We'll do that on Wednesday and certainly Thursday before the game. Sweet 16, going to be some great matchups. Syracuse and Butler love the contrast and style. you got a clear favorite, a clear underdog here. Fun game to watch. Syracuse looked unbeatable, Big Dog, over the weekend. Uh, but we said the same thing about Kansas. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's not, they, they looked unbeatable against a different team. All of a sudden, five new guys get thrown on the court against those guys, and then they have to figure it in a new 40 minutes. So that game doesn't mean anything, Coach. But the, the funny thing about this is you have uh, the consummate every year Cinderella Butler in there, and you have the superpower Syracuse. So you automatically think, oh, Syracuse can still use their athleticism and they could just run them out the court. Their sides will be able to out-rebound them. Butler will have to play perfect. I, I got news for you. Butler's athletic. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah, that's and Syracuse isn't loaded with a bunch of one and duns and you know, Mm -hmm. guys and Bam loaded this team up with a bunch of guys that shoot, dribble, and pass with fundamental skills and they're not exactly the most athletic or flashy team. So it it, this is going against all the stereotypes of a uh, Syracuse versus Butler matchup in the Sweet Sixteen. They're even Butler won't get run off the court because of pure athleticism coach. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? The better basketball team will win this game, quite simple. Yeah, and one good thing about Butler is they were able to get a victory pretty hard-earned, a couple of points over Murray State. I mean, that game went right down to the wire, but they did it without their, well, maybe not their best player, their second-best player, Matt Howard, having one of his worst games of the year, maybe his career. Only scored a couple of points, he got in foul trouble, and they still found a way to win. Shelvin Mack, their point guard, is excellent. Gordon Haywood, they uh forward is probably an NBA player down the road, so it's a talented team, and I love the fact they won despite Howard having a bad game. Yeah, and that that shows you a lot about something. Like you yep. talk about Northern Iowa's having contributions from uh, you know their regular players, and not just their two superstars, and that's what it's got to be. You know, depending, like sometimes you have those runs, like with Syracuse and Carmelo Anthony, where one guy put his team on the on his back mm-hmm. and he carries them to a title, coach. Those stories are like once every ten years. Really, I can't, besides Carmelo Anthony, the last I can't really think of like just one guy who just took a team on his back and carried them to a championship. It's always five guys who play awesome as the starters and guys contributing off the bench. Very really, and even that Syracuse team oh three that I was talking about, Hakeem mm-hmm. Warwick, Jerry McNamara. That, that was a pretty well rounded team. So uh, if you're gonna win. You can't count on your superstar to carry you. You got to assume that your superstar is a regular player, and all five guys got to go out there and try to do whatever it takes to win in the NCAA tournament. We just had emailer Bobby from Bolingbrook saying, "Joe, what about Ali Farikmanish leading his Northern Iowa team to a national championship?" Um, I just want to let you know if that happens, <laughs> I'm converting to Judaism. <laughs> no, no, no. Mark it down right here, ten thirty-eight. What day is it, Coach? March twenty-third. Tuesday. 
I will convert to Judaism if Northern Iowa wins the national title. <laughs> Seriously. I'll even let them cut me in everything. Well, you may convert. I'm not sure the uh, Judaic authorities will uh, will accept you. So really? Don't... It's not like being Catholic? Where you just you can just be like, hey, man, I want to be Catholic. And they'll be like, well, okay, how much money do you have? I've got... Okay, all right, you're Catholic now. It isn't like that, Coach? I've got friends in high places, and uh, just the thought of you converting. I'm not saying we're going to give you a definite no, but it's certainly cause for consternation. I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I'm a little disappointed and I'm shocked. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> All right, uh, let's <laughs> move to the next game. And every time I look at this game, like yesterday, I went out to the gym and ran sprints just to get in condition to watch this game. I mean, you can't just sit down on the couch and just uh, be unprepared to watch Xavier against Kansas State. This game is going to take conditioning. It's going to take uh, viewer discipline. It's going to be a dogfight from start to finish, a tremendous battle of will. Xavier in Kansas State, Big Dog, maybe the best of the bunch. Well, yeah, we've got one team that's been getting patted on the back all year long about how great they are in Kansas State, and maybe those people were right. Okay, I was wrong. They're a little better than I thought they were. And then you you got another team where this team has been great all year long, but because, you know, they, I guess they had a new coach and everything, they've kind of flown under the radar up until about, like, late February. People started scratching their head, and they're like, Xavier's good. When I think when people realized that the Atlantic 10 was one of the best conferences in America this season, and, and Xavier, you know, one of the better teams at it. Mm-hmm. Care to make a prediction, or are you going to wait for uh, Thursday? Because this Xavier. one, Xavier. Yes. I haven't seen the points, but I'm going to guess Kansas State, what, a two-point favorite? I, I was I was going to guess four and a half. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to guess. Coach. All right, going to okay. be great. I'll be right in that area, though. It's not much. I, I would take I would take the points with Xavier, my friend. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a game you need to come in. Just a little advice from your local coach: here. be prepared for this game. Don't just sit down with a bag of chips and a couple of brewskis and expect to survive. This game will be so intense. You will need some pre. Uh, at the very least, can we suggest to the folks stretch out before the game, hey, Coach? I, you know what, you're kind of making fun, but I don't think you're touching on how important it is to be prepared for this game. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this game, first of all, one of the teams' names is the Musketeers, and that's just not normal, okay? No. So that'll confuse you right off the bat. And then all of a sudden, Frank Martin will start yelling at Clemente in Spanish, and that'll be the first. If you're watching basketball, and you will be totally confused. You won't be sure if you're watching international football mm-hmm. or, or basketball when Frank Martin starts yelling at people, so... You do need to prepare for this game. I know you're trying to be cute here, both Coach, but to be quite honest with you, as a fan, I mean, you don't normally hear stuff like that. He's an intimidating presence, by the way, Frank Martin. Yes, he is, Coach. Man, where's and, a... uh, when he, the Los Avenitos tattoo on his back? <laughs> after I saw that, I knew he was not to be messed with, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quickly moving ahead. Big Dog and a Coach talk a little March Madness here. and uh, Not breaking it down completely, but a little sneak preview to uh, Thursday and Friday's game, Sweet 16 March Madness. We'll get off the basketball, talk some other topics here in the limited time that we have. Uh, and, again, our phone number, if you want to join us, talk about some of the games, 888-463-6748. Moving to the East Region, Big Dog, Kentucky in Cornell. It's David versus Goliath, and uh, David looked awfully good over the weekend. Yeah, and uh, again, you know, like you're talking about how Syracuse looked awesome and like look, looks like the unbeatable team. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think they're the second team. I think Kentucky so far has looked the greatest in, in the tournament. You know, either or, what you can look at. But this is the epitome of pure, unadulterated basketball talent with all the athleticism in the world and guys that are going to be in college for one year and then they'll never open a book the rest of their lives and they go to the NBA versus the other guys who are a bunch of 
that's more funny than people think, even though they're kind of pasty. Mm-hmm. Skilled, fundamental, and these guys are playing the last basketball games they'll ever play because they're going to go out and be lawyers and doctors and politicians. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to be rooting for the team that isn't going to be playing professional basketball mm-hmm. after this because none of those guys have scholarships and they have other worries in their mind. If Cornell, uh, I, I like when the Ivy League plays well, Coach. If uh, I do too, and Cornell's maybe the best Ivy League team since we've seen the Petey Carrillo-Princeton uh, teams from way back when. But if Cornell is getting beat badly by Kentucky, which is a possibility, Kentucky Absolutely. could run out. Oh, they could get run off the floor. There, there is that scenario. Scenario. I don't think that's going to happen, but there is that scenario. They can always borrow the Northwestern fans' uh, cheer after Michigan State's beating them by like 30 points in the second half. The Northwestern fans, uh, part out of frustration, part out of humor, will start cheering. Uh, that's all right. That's okay because you're going to work for us someday. Yes, and the sad thing is is it's probably true, Coach. Cornell may need to use that against Kentucky. By the way, speaking of that, um, I don't know if you saw or not, but Arnie Duncan, who used to be our Chicago Public Schools uh, director, Barack Obama brought him national. He is now the um, head of the Department of Education. Yes. And he has come out saying he would like to see that in order to make the NCAA tournament, every team to make it, to qualify, you must have 40 percent graduation rate okay coach yeah i just want to let you know before i get into the argument about the whole 40 percent arn duncan's spirit of what he wants to do is beyond great it is exactly what all ncaa naia anything ihsa any school they got to figure out something like this and this should be incorporated now to just say oh 40 percent because trust me those numbers can be messed with and told they have to figure out a really simple, easy way that everybody can do it and they can't manipulate the numbers and stuff. Because the stuff like that can be manipulated, be manipulated coach. But mm-hmm. Arn Duncan is right. It's a great idea. It's a perfect idea. And one day I would like, I would like it to happen because I'm sick of schools that all they care about is getting the 12 best freaking athlete and basketball players they possibly can. And not only do they not care if those kids go to class, mm-hmm. And, and you might argue this. I'm not saying there's a lot, but there are a few coaches who discourage. They don't, they don't want those kids going to class. They want them to focus on basketball, and that's it. It would be one of the best things and best examples that you can set for, like, a, a 12-year-old kid out there. Oh, he's a gigantic Kansas fan. I love Kansas. Oh, they got the best point guard. They got, they got a small forward who's coming off the bench who's going to be in the NBA in two years. And using a start. Uh, and then all of a sudden you find it. Oh, by the way, uh, they had a player who cheated on his uh, SAT. None of these, they haven't been graduating, so you know what? They don't get to participate in this year's NCAA. Mm-hmm. Things will clean up in a hurry mm-hmm. if Kentucky missed the NCAA tournament because they weren't graduating enough people. Do you know what I'm saying, Coach? You want to make a change? You penalize people for not graduating, not educating their kids. Mm-hmm. So, like, but my point is this goes, so just say, like, right now in graduation rates, just say I go to the University of Illinois next year, okay? Okay. And I drop out halfway through my freshman year. That counts for the next four years against their graduation rate. That's bogus. That should not right. count. They should. Right. They just got to make sure they get the numbers fair and even, and then implement it. Wouldn't not just say, oh, it, they got to graduate forty percent. Because trust me, that that will be manipulated ridiculously. Yeah, like, I it completely, won't do any good. completely agree with you. It doesn't seem like maybe I'm being naive. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard to put some basic rules and regulations, tweak it a little bit to avoid some of those problems you're talking about. Here's what I think. Coach, I used to love Bobby Brown, and the more I learn about what he did at Florida State, that man absolutely disgusts me. Who? Which coach? Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Oh, okay. Because for years, how many of these kids didn't go to class or do anything? 
you know, if he coached for 40 whatever years, you're going to have players that, I mean, let's face it, no matter what, you could be freaking a saint. You could be Petey Carroll at Princeton. Petey Carroll at Princeton probably had one player who didn't study and didn't go to class. Do you understand what I mean? You can't save everybody. But the repeated year in and year out of 10, 20, 30 players of academic fraud and never going to class and not being able to read, that stuff has to end, Coach. It has to end. You know what I'd like to see? I don't know how hard this would be to administrate. But I think the true test, Big Dog, is when the season is over. Okay, I don't know what semester we're in. Some colleges are trimesters. Some are semesters. But the NCAA uh, assigned one person to each school and follow the basketball players. Um, now, they don't have to be there every single day. But to investigate, and the gist of it is how many of these players, when the season is over, finish out their classes, continue to go to school, continue to attend class, continue to wake up at 9 or 10, or how many, you know, when the season's going on, all right, they show up to class, they get out for their road, they're being monitored by the coaches, you know what I'm saying? When oh, it's yeah. over, when the season's over, in April and May, the final two months of the school year, how many of them still attend class? That, to me, is the uh, the litmus test. If they're really there just to play basketball, or if, uh, God forbid, they actually want to be a college student in academics as well. Yeah, not a, not a bad idea, Coach. Yeah, I like that. And- you know, if the NCAA is going to spend all kinds of money and make so much money, and stuff, you, they look at the student athlete and make sure they're taking, getting taken care of. Because I guarantee you, if you're an 18-year-old kid, imagine when you're an 18-year-old boy, Coach. If you're good enough to go to, okay, back in your day, if you could have gone to UCLA, mm-hmm. okay, the early 70s, okay? And just say when you got there, you found out, oh, by the way, they got this one guy who'll give you money to go there. You know what, I hate to tell you, Coach, you're a pretty honest guy, but even you at age 18 probably mm-hmm. would have taking the money from this guy. Okay. And all of a sudden, the same guy's like, hey, you know, um, there's really no reason for you to go to class. We can have somebody take all your tests for you. I don't know if you've gone that far, but I can 100%. I, like, I really wanted to learn. I love education. I love learning. But I have to admit, if somebody would have said, hey, you're going to take the class for me? Okay, no problem. I, I probably would have done it. So, like, I don't blame 18- and 19-year-old kids if they're mm-hmm. not forced to go to class, and they don't. I, I just don't blame them. I mean, the first time in their life that their parents aren't around and stuff, you should have the discipline. You should have, be, you know, be smart enough to do that. But mm-hmm. you know, when I was 18, I was an idiot, Coach. So I'm assuming that's pretty much across the board for so, most uh, boys. The, you know the, and your point is the kids are to blame, but the adults who are offering these opportunities are much, much more to blame because that temptation at the age of uh, 17, 18, 19 years old is is almost unrealistic for them uh, to expect them to. And I don't want to take the kids off the hook completely. Oh, no, no. I, I am not trying to do that either. Right. And you know I hate being like, oh, there's a reason why everybody is so bad. I don't mm-hmm. like to do that. But the, the truth of the matter is, look at the people who are making money off of these kids, okay? Those are the ones that you have to correct first because mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a reason why some coaches really don't care if their kids go to class because they want to make sure they're more prepared for facing Michigan State and their uh, unbelievable rebounding and defense, and they are worried about whether or not um, you know the, ki- the kid is actually getting smart. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know what? It doesn't even matter if you have an education. If you don't have will and if you don't have uh, the desire to do something with your life, it doesn't matter if you were educated in college anyway. So yeah, well, that's put, also another point. Uh, put some, uh, put some of that job. will, put some of that will and desire into your education as well as your athletics. Uh, that would be nice as well. I still remember. Now this is my college years, like thirty years ago, but I still remember the very reality of it, where I saw it up close and personal. Big Doug, I was a uh, physical education major. 
at Tulane University, and I still remember to this day all the football players. It was uh, Anatomy 001. And they showed up on day one. And Every, got the but they right were coach? all there on day one. Hey, this is cool. I got the football players in the class. I got to know some of these guys. Seem like nice guys. They're all there. The rest of the year, the rest of the semester, never saw them again. We go home for Christmas break, come back in January, mid-Jan, whatever, and it's time for Anatomy 002, first class. They're all in there. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And I say, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, again, they showed season. up for one class. It was like, oh, I, apparently they advanced to Anatomy 002 by that one class they attended. Uh, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. And, you can laugh about it, but it is. It's kind of sad in the long run. You know, and just to let you know, Coach, just, just to prove to you I'm not a hypocrite, mm-hmm. I know I played at a smaller school, okay, but trust me, we took football extremely serious. I lived and breathed it, okay? I can't even explain how much I loved that game. It meant everything to me. But I went to school and I decided, you know what, I want to get straight A's. And I did when I went to college. I got straight A's. And while I was in college playing football, do you know what our coach did? He's like, I want you in charge of everybody. I got paid. I got a job as the academic advisor for our football team when I was a sophomore in college. My job was to make sure people weren't messing up and they were studying, they were getting their stuff done. And I had to tutor people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are coaches and there are students who actually care about educating and, and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So and again, I know it's a and, smaller and, school that probably wouldn't happen at maybe like uh, in Oklahoma, you know, but the, the truth of the matter is there are good people and they can do stuff oh, yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. So, and they, they have student assistants. I think they do that. They certainly we've all heard about study halls on the road. So there's some well-meaning, and many of the kids, I think, do put some effort into Many of the athletes do, but uh, there's too many of the other side. And, again, I go back to the point where during the season, you know, they, all right, study halls are pretty cool. The coaches are looking at I go back to, to me, the litmus test is when the season's over, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, or at the uh, Kansas University. They got knocked out. Now, let's follow those Kansas University. Xavier Henry, let's just take one. I don't mean to pick on Xavier Henry. Might no, be a perfect we'll sure. But let's follow Xavier Henry around. Star freshman player who's going to head to the NBA maybe sooner than later, but he's not going to go there all four years. Is Xavier Henry, now that the season's over, is he going to be attending classes the final two months of the college year? No. And, see, that's, that's to me, that's the, the limit. guys, coach? They don't, well, they don't go to class. Or let's say he's going for a, he's going to come back for a sophomore year. Well, then he does. He has to because you do – well, I don't know if he has to go to class, but he has to make sure he remains eligible. So well, yeah, exactly. just figures that out, they will do. Exactly. That, to me, that you want to, you want to dig down underneath and get to the real root of it, in my particular opinion. It's when the season ends. Let's not take the exception, the Derrick Rose who's going to the NBA the next year. That's too easy because I no, doubt Derrick way, Rose – There's people who say Derrick Rose is illiterate. Well, Some people doubt yes. whether or not the kid can read. Yeah, okay? well, but I almost guarantee you, Derrick Rose, when the season ended, he knew he was going to the NBA. He didn't go to any classes. That's the extreme case. But let's let's take a less than extreme case. Guys, that they're, maybe they're not going to go four years, but they're coming back next year, maybe one more year after that. But they're big-time basketball players. The season's over. Final two months of the year. Yes, they have to become eligible. But do they really stay in school? Do they do the study halls with the team? Do they attend classes? Not during the season. Because that's the easy part. When it's uh-huh. all over, when it's all over, do the coaches keep an eye on the kids? Do they still go to school? That, my friend, is where you dig deep and get to the real fine line, in my opinion. Hey, no, because that is the truth, and 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 it's it's really easy to uh, to say you know like they're doing things right when the season's over. But yeah, most of those one and guns that guns they don't go back to school. They don't care about that, and mm-hmm. uh, it's the worst story I've ever heard of. 
in terms of like academic stuff. Do you remember Robert Smith, the running back for the Vikings who played at Ohio State? Yes. Well, he was um, some type of biology or pre-med major when he was at the Ohio State University. Well, a night before a football game, some, one of the a running back coaches goes to his hotel room, and Robert Smith is studying one of his pre-med books. And the coach told him to put it away and study his playbook. Mm-hmm. And Robert Smith's like, I don't have a mental error all season, coach. I know every single play we run, and I have our game plan down for tomorrow. I need to study for this test. And he told him if he didn't put the book away, he was going to bench him for the next day. Robert Smith left Ohio State, by the way, because he, he was one of those guys that was able to graduate in two years. Yep. So he went to the compensatory draft. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to the regular NFL draft. I mean, when I heard that story, I was so sickened. Mm-hmm. By the way, John Cooper heard that story, and that guy was fired. So Yeah, it you know, was... So, Part sick, part sickened, but part inspired because you got a guy like Robert Smith who uh, stood above the normal uh, reputation of an athlete. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. Not only is he majoring in pre-med, he actually is going to class and trying to study. You know, mm-hmm. you know. In Ohio State, I don't want to pick on Ohio State because, to be honest with you, Ohio State is especially for teams that win across America. They have one of the best graduation rates in America. Mm-hmm. If you're talking like the top 15 programs, your LSU's, your Miami's, mm-hmm. your Oklahoma's, USC's, the Ohio State University is like the only one that kids graduate in, Coach. All right. Alabama, those kids don't graduate. Big dog, during the we got to wrap up today's show. We're going to get to the other previews uh, tomorrow. But uh, during the show, David Olson, our producer, was on the Internet checking out some of your transcripts from your McMurray days. We will be analyzing your academic transcripts on tomorrow's show, my friend. I do blame the one bad semester I had. First, yes. I mean, uh, first semester, sophomore year, mm-hmm. uh, on the fact that uh, uh, I was just a dumb, dumb, dumb 18-year-old. Coach. I want to know about the one comment that said, teacher with privileges. i got to find out about that. <laughs> well, let, let's just say I got an A in that class, coach, and it was well-earned. All right, we got to we got to get out of here. Thanks to our producer, David Olson. Big dog, great job. We'll see you tomorrow. TalkZone.com. Two guys, one mic. Thanks for listening.